are you guys? That doesn't sound too good. We good? Here? Okay, cool. How are you guys? Thank you, Lucy. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here this morning. I am uh, excited to share this word that, um, like, thank you. Like Pastor Marianne said, um, so this series, Awake, um, that series was supposed to start today, but I felt that last Sunday's message was incomplete, uh, and I believe that there was something else that God wanted to help us in through that message. If you were here last Sunday, you know what I'm talking about, and we talked about moving on from Saul and to, to David, right? And last week I was talking about why we should move on, and Today, I, I want to talk about, I said, why, right? And today, today, I want to talk about how we should move on from the life we thought we wanted. And um, I just want to pray really quick myself. I know Marianne prayed, but I really want to pray because I, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to be in this room and just continue to do what he's doing already. Are you ready for the word? Yeah. You ready for the word? All right, let's pray. Lord, um. Again, we're grateful, and I just pray that you give me the strength and the wisdom to deliver this message in the same way that you gave it to me, and I pray for fertile ground. I pray that our spiritual ears are open to hear what you have to say, not what I have to say, but what you have to say, Holy Spirit. I'm just here. I'm just an instrument of what you do, and uh, it's an honor to serve you in this capacity. Thank you for the people that are here. Thank you for those that will be listening to this message throughout the week. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I just want to speak uh, from a few verses starting in Jude chapter 1, verse 9. And the title of my message today is Move On. I don't know if this is something you want to tell your spouse if she's next to you, but uh, find somebody else and make contact in the room and tell them, move on. Move on. Look at somebody. Look at somebody. It's, hopefully it's not your spouse. Tell somebody else. <laughs> right? Like, move on. No, no, no. You stay right here till death do us part. <laughs> but today I'm going to be speaking about, you know, moving on from the life that we thought we wanted. And this, this book, um, Jude, is one of, it's a small book. If you don't, if you're not a, if you're not someone that goes into the Word a lot, you may you may not even know where Jude is located, and you may need a, a GPS of the Bible app to just type in Jude, and it's pretty easy. But Jude is a very powerful book, and this is what it says. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. Rebuking is biblical. The Lord rebuke you. I tell my kids all the time, the Lord rebuke you. You're being used by the enemy right now. We're trying to get out of the house, and the Lord rebuke you. I'm not playing. That's Marianne. The Lord rebuke you. This took place. This is very important. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. And today, I want to take a moment from this topic and... Like I said, just part two of what I spoke about last week. And family, there's an aspect and an attribute of our eternal God 
that I like to offer up as an introduction. And it is an aspect of God's existence that is not overly spiritual, but it is uniquely important. And I want you to know amongst all other things, I want you to know that our God is a planner. Tell your neighbor, my God is a planner. He's a planner. What I mean by that is that our God doesn't act impulsively. He doesn't act reactively. He knows what he's doing. The Bible says that he is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He stands outside of time, but in time governing our days. The, the psalmist David wrote in the book of Psalms, you walked my days before the foundation of the earth. So even if something took you by surprise, it doesn't mean that it took God by surprise because our God is a planner. And um, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is, he's having a tough time with the people. In Jeremiah chapter 7, it talks about Jeremiah walking into the temple and rebuking the people. But in chapter 29, he says something that, this is a verse that a lot of people know. And a lot of people have made this verse their life verse. And it says, for I know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And what are those plans? Plans to prosper you, to not harm you, plans to give you hope. And give you a future. I know what you said. I know you've been crying. I know you've been struggling. I know you don't understand. But I have a plan, says the Lord. I know you're disappointed with the outcome. I know you're struggling because you need answers. But I am a planner, says the Lord. See, the Lord is not improvising with our lives. The Lord is not making up things along the way in our lives. The Bible says that he makes all things, all things work together for our good. The parting of the Red Sea was an executing plan. The, fall, the, the falling of the walls of Jericho was God executing the plan. The Hebrew boys coming out of the fire furnace, that was God executing, plan, executing a plan. Daniel coming out of the lion's den was God executing a plan. The birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus was, was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth. And there's a word that we use in, 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 in seminary. It's God's providence. Everyone say providence. So providence... God's providence. Providence is a, is a compound word. It's a word made up of two words. Pro, which means before, and videnz means video, which means to see. So God's providence is that he sees things we don't see. See, we see to the corner. God sees around the corner. We can lift our eyes to the hills, like the word says, but he sees over the hill. So even though you think this landed in my lap by surprise, it didn't surprise the Lord because the Lord is a perfect planner. We can see today, but the Lord can see tomorrow. See, and God's plans are based on what God sees is the principle of perspective. See, where you sit is what you see, and what you see is the way you live. See, 
Where you sit, I'm going to say that again, where you sit is what you see. And the way you see things is the way you live your life. See, and one of the reasons some of us are stuck in this vicious circle that we can't break out is that we're sitting in the wrong place. We're sitting around the wrong group of people and we're listening and we're seeing the wrong things and what we see is what we live. So we start adopting these patterns of life. We start adopting these things because who's speaking into your ear? Who's speaking into your life? Where are you seated? And, and I believe that today the Lord, the Lord wants to break some things in our life because like I said last Sunday, everyone in this room has expectations. And one of the toughest things in life is to manage expectations. Your spouse has expectations on you. Your children have expectations on you. Your parents have expectations. Society has expectations on you. Your boss, your workplace has, has expectations on you. And there are expectations that are spoken, and there are some unspoken expectations. I said last Sunday, how do you know if you have need for attention? You may not know it, but if someone comes in the room and says hello to everybody and doesn't say hello to you, you understand that there's an expectation of being wanted in your spirit. See, there are unspoken expectations. How would you know that? It's your birthday and you were expecting that text from that someone that didn't text you. You don't realize it until you don't get that text. Am I speaking to somebody today? See, we, we do this life and we all have expectations of where we should be at this time, where we should be in life, where we should be with our finances. And some of us are looking and be like, I can't believe that at this stage of my life, this is where I'm at divorced, I don't have any children, I don't have uh, economic, you know, uh, fluency, I'm not, I'm not fluid, I don't, I didn't even know I was going to be in Miami this time this year, and some of us have unmet expectations, and those unmet expectations are starting to grow some, some roots of bitterness in our hearts. Because we look to the left and we look to the right and we think that everybody else is blessed but us. And we start to think that God had forgotten about us. Has anyone felt like that before? Am I the only one in this room? We feel that God is blessing everyone else and everyone else is getting everything that they want and we're getting the short end of the stick. And what happens is God, we have unmet expectations. Now, just because we have unmet expectations doesn't mean we can't move on with our lives. And I know that many of us in this room are beating ourselves up, are sabotaging our future because we can't get over a bad decision that we made. And what the devil is, the Bible says that he's like a roaring lion. He's accusing you and bringing stuff up that God already threw to the bottom of the sea. And it's bringing that up to you and it's accusing you about it. And you're starting to believe his lies. And you're getting stuck in this circle believing that the devil's lies are true over your life. And uh, this is what happened. Moses, how many of you guys know Moses? All right, so Moses is like, you know, let my people go, you know, set my people free, all that good stuff. So Moses is like, hey, you know, we need to get out of slavery, right? So he takes his people, he takes the people of Israel, he takes them. He takes them out. 
God parts the Red Sea, they walk. One day, Moses said, I'll be back. I got to go talk to God. God comes back, Moses doesn't. Think about that. If I said, guys, sorry, I need, I need to go outside and get a call. You know, I have a call coming in. Can you guys just wait five minutes? And I never come back. So they've been depending on Moses' leadership for the past 40 years. Moses says, I need to go have a conversation with God. God comes back and Moses doesn't come back. And this is, this is, this is critical. If it, a critical kingdom life skill that every follower of Jesus must develop is learning how to manage and adjust when you face something you ain't see coming. How do you react? Because life, if there's something I can guarantee you from this platform, is that life is not going to go the way you thought it was going to go. See, everyone in this room has been marked. Everyone in this room has been betrayed. Everyone in this room has been talked about. Everyone in this room has been abused at some level. See, what the enemy does is make you believe that you're the only one. And he gives you that story. And I said last Sunday, life is not about what happens to you. Life is about the story you tell yourself. I know people in the same circumstance that came from the same neighborhood that I grew up with. And today they're still there. Even more possibilities than me and my family. And they're still there. Life is not about where you start. Life is about where you finish. My dad says something to me and I've always... I've always kept it. You are the architect of your own destiny. You can't blame your way through life. You can't blame your way through life. Oh, in 2004, man, I had my break, and I was going to go play college, Division I, and I blew my ankle. And if I didn't blew my I would be making millions of dollars. So, hey, Will, so did 150 other kids blew their knee blew their ankle and they're doing just fine but the bible says that he makes all things work together for our good so even if he sent it or he allowed it it still has to go through the palm of his hands to get to me because i am his child he is my father and my father loves me and um so he goes to have a conversation with god god comes back he doesn't come back so now they have no closure because they don't know where his body is. And we're going to read really quick in the book of Deuteronomy 34, 5, and 6. You still with me? Okay, so, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in Moab, as the Lord had said. So we know the city, right? The city is? He buried him in Moab. The Lord buried Moses. Can you imagine that funeral? <laughs> the Lord doing your funeral. He buried him in Moab, the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows. No one knows where his grave is. So the reason, remember the verse in Jude? The reason that Satan and Michael were arguing over Moses' body is because God wanted to bury Moses in a spot where no one knew where he was. See, Satan wanted to bury Moses in a spot that everyone knew. See, the people of Israel had this little pattern that they will start worshiping things 
They would start making idols out of every little thing when things didn't go their way. And God knew that he, if he allowed them to know where Moses' body was going to be at, it was highly likely that they were going to make their way to his tomb and lift up an altar and stay stuck in the wilderness and not move on to Canaan because they needed to be where something got buried. And I believe, and I said this this morning, that some of us don't move on with Joshua because we believe that moving on with Joshua would be cheating on Moses. Some of you haven't let go of some of your friendships that you need to let go. Some alliances that you need to let go because you feel like letting them go and going to the person that's taking you to the next level will be cheating on them. But you know what happened? <laughs> Moses fulfilled the calling of God for a season. Everyone say a season. Once that season was up, was due, the Bible says in the verses prior to this, the Lord went and took Moses to the hill, showed him the land, and said, hey, see it, but you're not going to walk in it because you're not equipped to go into it. So what happens is that many of us are trying to drag people into our new season that don't belong there. Some of us are trying to, and we're trying to make it work. So we start compromising little things, right? Because I still want them around because he's cool and, and she makes me laugh. So, and we have so much history together. She knows me. She gets me. So I need to bring her into my new season. And God is like, I'm trying to bury that body. But I can't let you know where that body is because you'll make your way back there. Here's the lesson that we need to learn today. If we're going to move on from the life that we thought we wanted, we need to let the things that pass just pass. There's something that God buried that we're trying to resurrect so bad. God is like I said last week, why are you mourning over the thing that I rejected? Some of us are unwilling to let go because we need closure. Now I'm going to tell you this as someone that likes answers, if not speak to my wife. I like to know everything. Tell me the time it arrived, the date stamp, who and what. I need to know everything. As someone that needs answers, this is hard for me too. There are seasons and there are things in life that you're going to need to move on without closure. The people of God, they walked with Moses for 40 years. All of a sudden, Moses leaves and we can't even know where his body's at. There was no closure. See, you don't need closure when you have a calling. You don't need closure when you have a calling. Your calling is to walk into Canaan, yet you won't ask. I can imagine. I mean, I don't know if... if if, I don't know all the personalities that were involved, but I can, I can imagine someone step up. Where's Moses? Oh no, where's Moses? Somebody build up a committee. You know how people get that? You start talking to people, and people that feel the same way as you, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I feel that way too." Where, yeah, where's Moses? And they needed to move on without closure. See, God gives us answers for the things that. He knows we need, not the things that we know we need. There are some things 
that you're going to have to move on without answers. And that sucks, I know. But if God gave you the answers, if God showed you where that body is at, <laughs> you will make your way to that body and worship it, which means that you will relive that, you will paint that through your life, you will know exactly where you go when you're down, when you're frustrated, when you're feeling depression, you're going to revolt and go back to that. So God is in, I'm going to bury the body, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. And like I said, last week I talked about why we need to let go, and today I'm going to talk about how. Are you still with me? See, I said this morning is that some of us are stuck in the past because we can't move on unless we get answers. And I came to tell you, came to break it down to you, give you the good news and the bad news. I'm going to give you the bad news first. The bad news first is that there's going to be no answers. See, we, need to con we can only control what we know. We can't control what we do know, what we, can't, what we don't know. And I think that many of us spend so much time in, engulfed in, did he, did he really do that? Did, did, I mean, I don't know, but what I do know is that the plans that he has for me are good. What I don't know is what happened or why they did that to me. Or I don't know the answers to that, but what I do know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, we need to revisit the things that we do know instead of trying to figure out the things that we don't know. So just really quick, four steps to let go that I found in this scripture. And the first one is, number one is that you need to admit the emotion. You need to admit the emotion. I believe that the reason that Moses' body needed to be hidden was because Israel had an emotional attachment to Moses. Moses had served them well in the previous season, so they were in love with that, with that someone that who can take them no further. See, we are in love with some people that are unequipped for our future. And you get so frustrated, right? Can I, can I just be real? You get frustrated because you want it so bad for them. Because you've been exposed to something else, right? And you want them to be exposed and you want to bring them along, but they are unequipped to walk where you're going. And there's, I mean, no, no wonder we're spiritually depleted. No wonder our well is empty because every time we come in contact with that individual or that group of individuals, we get drained because they have nothing to pour onto you. You're constantly pouring onto them. How do you leave? Like I tell people all the time, I, it's like, hey, did my conversation, how did you leave our conversation? Did you feel, because I, I need to make some change. If you felt that you left worry that, Man, that it was, bro, it was a project to talk to, to speak to Will. If that's true, don't, don't say amen now. Say it like when we're, man, it was so, it was so life-consuming to spend time with you. I needed to prepare myself mentally. I don't know. I'm just venting at this point. There's people that you need to prepare yourself mentally even to speak to. Can I get an amen? Because you know they're going to suck the life out of you. They're, they're not going to speak nothing positive of your life. They're just full of negativity. Sort of, what are you doing? Are you still there? What? Huh? I can't. I'm going somewhere. 
I told someone yesterday, we were, in a, we were in a leader, I was speaking in a leader's retreat in Merrill's church, and someone was like, man, I started to break some friendships that I had for such a long time. And he's like, man, it's been so difficult. I'm like, listen, if you are going to the Keys and you're going on I-95 South, anyone that's going on I-95 that's going north, they can't get in your vehicle. Simple as that. I'm going south, buddy. Can't get in my car saying, man, get off the next exit and make a I'm going south. You got you to get off, man. You got to. I'm going somewhere. Me and my family, we're going somewhere. You, you're going somewhere. And we are, see, what happens is that we fall in love with the romantic version of what we think we want. So we fall in love with being, I want to be the CEO of a company because you're thinking about what they make, but we, you don't, you're not thinking about they don't sleep. See, we only look at the romanticized version of it, right? When we look at our past, we look at it selectively. When we, <laughs> when we look at our past, we think about how great he was, but you don't think about that many nights that you went to cry, when you went to sleep crying over him. You think selectively. You don't remember that he texts you strategically. See, we get this romanticized version of what it could have been, but we don't know the price that was paid. Oh, I want to be that, but you don't know those people don't sleep. They have no peace. You see the dollar sign. What you don't see is that they're, they're, they're running high blood pressure. They have, their life, they didn't even speak to their kids. So they were in love with someone that was unequipped for Canaan. And some of us are lo in love with some things in our past that are sabotaging away our future because we are so in love with that because it's normal to us. It's what we know. It's what we're accustomed to. So where's the body, Jesus? I'm not going to move until I know where the body is. See, if God shows them where the body is, they never walk into Canaan. They will lift up. That was their pattern. I can say that because their pattern. They will make a, a, a God out of a, out, of a, out of a goat. Can you imagine out of Moses what they would have made? They would have worshipped his staff. So the first thing is that you need to know, you need to admit. We need to admit the emotion. Are you still with me? There was an emotional, there, there was an emotional attachment And what happens is that when we make decisions based on our emotions, we're in trouble. There's things that you do when you're super sad that you wouldn't do it sober. There's things that you say when you're heated that you wouldn't say, you wouldn't be so brave to say that when you're even keel. So Jesus, where's his body? God, where's his body? We need to know where his body is. See, we need to admit the emotion because if you don't admit the emotion, you will always be entrapped by the things that you don't expose. The Bible says, confess our sins to one another so you can receive healing. The things that we don't expose are the things that entrap us. Because the enemy can always remind you of them. The, the moment that they're out there, he can no longer use it to harm you. Hey, it's there. Jesus is redeeming it. I gave it to the Lord. Deal with it. See, what happens is that there's other people, and this is not even part of my notes, but I need to feel that there's people that can't 
understand the new reality of you. See, there's people that every time they come in contact with you, they need to bring up your history. Any of you guys have some friends like that? <laughs> oh, you want to act all, but we know. Oh, you're all holy, but we know. See, if those people aren't willing to move on from something you already moved on, those people got to go. See, you can't bring something back that I already threw. You can't bring Moses' body back because I don't even know where the grave is and I don't want to know. So those people that are constantly bringing up who you were, those are people that you need to immediately remove from your life because they're stuck in the wilderness and they're not equipped to walk with you into Canaan. Because they, they are in love with who you used to be. Number two is we need to acknowledge the entitlement, the sense of entitlement. Because sometimes, can we be honest? Sometimes we feel that we deserve it. That's just me. Now, these were Hebrew people with all types of attitudes, all types of personality, and some wanted, wanted answers. They want, where's Moses, Jesus? Where's Moses? Moses didn't come back, and I need some answers. I need to know where his body is. Moses just can't abandon us like this. Jesus was like, hold on. You want to talk about what you deserve? I said this morning, when we come up to God, oh, I think... God was like, you want to talk about the things that only me and you know? I know we got silent in the room. You want to keep it real, right? You, you want total exposure, right? You want everything on the table. So let's talk about the things that only me and you know. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. We all fall short of the glory of God. I'm just somebody that's trying to preach to anybody about somebody that can save everybody, Jesus. We, we go back so quick because Jesus is like, all right, you want to keep it real? You want to talk about what you deserve? We can talk about what you deserve. You deserve to die in the wilderness, but I provided manna over your life. You want to talk about what you deserve? He sent Moses for a season. See, when we are entitled, what we're saying is, I don't have what I deserve. Appreciation says, I have more than what I deserve, but I also have less than what I deserve. There's a difference. See, the attitude is, God, I'm happy, I get more, than what I deserve, but I'm also happy that you've given me less. Right? So, so we need to acknowledge that sometimes we feel entitled to it. We feel entitled to answers. We feel entitled to know, hey, for I know, and in 2911, it doesn't, it, it doesn't go into much detail. He says the plan is to prosper you, to harm you, and you're like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm typing, what else? That's it. It doesn't say you know, it doesn't say they know. It doesn't say we know. He says. And that's so difficult. That's so difficult to trust. You. Listen, Christian walk is all about faith and trust. Do you trust that he loves you more than you love yourself? Do you trust that he knows what's best for you? That's what it boils down to. 
It boils down to know that if, if there was a broken relationship, if there was a miscarriage, if there was a divorce, if, if there was a loss of a job, if, if there was a, a sickness, do you trust him with the results? Or you need answers. And what happens sometimes, there are things that are going to happen in our lives that we're not going to get an answer why it happened. Some of us are waiting for a forgiveness that's not going to come. Some of us are waiting for someone to say, please forgive me, and that's never going to come, and you're going to have to close that door and move on. Sometimes it's not even someone you don't know anymore. Sometimes it's someone in your family. You're like, you're waiting for that day for that person to say, I'm sorry, and that day is never going to come. And you're walking around in the wilderness waiting for God to point you in the direction of Moses and God is pointing to Canaan and say, you need to go with Joshua. You need to close this chapter once and for all. For some of us in this room today is a worship service, but for some others, are, this is a funeral. There's some things that need to stay buried today. See, you can't keep torturing yourself about a bad decision. Let me, let me say, over bad decisions. See, I said last Sunday, life is not a Word document that you can go back and edit it. He makes all things. Your dad walked away. Your mom walked away. What's the story that you're telling yourself? Are you telling yourself, poor me, like Elijah said, oh, I'm the only one worshiping you. And God is like, uh-uh. There's thousands others. What is the story that you're telling yourself? Are you telling yourself, I need answers, I need answers, I need answers. I need to know why she did that. I need to know why he touched me. I need to know this, I need to know that. And the Lord is like, you may not get that closure that you think you need. Because when you have a calling, you don't need answers. When you have an assignment and when the glory of God touches your life, you don't need answers. So we need to acknowledge the sense of entitlement, and I can't do anything about what I did wrong. And like I said before, I will not allow others to torture me with that either. If you can't move on the way I've moved on, you need to move away. Because I'm here to move forward. I, I got somewhere to be. I got to be in Canaan. And Luke 17, 32 is one of the shortest verses in the Bible. John eleven thirty five is the other one. Jesus wept. But uh, Luke 17, 32 says, Remember Lot's wife. I don't know if you're familiar with Lot, but Lot was walking with his wife, and God said, I'm going to point you in one direction. The only requirement is to never look back. And they were walking, and the wife, not the man, but the wife, not the husband, not the priest of the home. Not the manly man. Yeah, I got the point. The wife turns back and looks, and she became a statue of salt, a pillar of salt, and she died. And this is funny. I, I, the Lord gave me this. It's like people that are always looking back are salty.
If every time I have a conversation with you, all I hear is about how you were a stud in 1999, how you were this and you were that, that's telling me that the Lord is doing nothing new in your life. We need a new wine. We need a new anointing, new and fresh anointing. You got to get away from people that are always looking back. People are always looking back are people that are always in their feelings and always want to bring up the thing that you did wrong back then that the Lord has already redeemed. So they can't adjust to your new reality, so they got to go. There's a new me. You can't speak to me like a 16-year-old will. You can't. See, and that happens in church a lot. And as... As the Church of Christ from this platform, I ask for your forgiveness. Many times we look at people and we can't get over the thing that God already got over. No, you can't deal with her because she's too emotional or he's too this, he's uncommitted. Yeah, you're bringing up something that the Lord already buried. People that are always looking back are salty. He said, remember Lot's wife. You need to move. You need to move forward because my future is better than my past. And who the sun sets free. Free indeed. And my last point. My next point. Go ahead. You need to trust the Lord with your satisfaction. See, we trust the Lord with salvation, right? We've come to Jesus, and I'd be saved. He makes you saved. We trust the Lord with our sanctification. So he's the process of molding us into being more like Jesus. But very rarely we trust the Lord with our satisfaction. It is hard for us to trust that the Lord, only him can satisfy us. We need all these different tangents and all these different buckets, and all these different budgets, uh, buckets, yeah, and, and different pillars and things to, to satisfy our soul. Do you trust the Lord with your happiness? Do you trust that he has what it takes to make you happy? I love my family, my wife, my children, church, my calling, they don't have what it takes to make me happy. It's unfair for me to put that level of responsibility over their lives. It's unfair for you to put it on anyone else. Only the Lord can satisfy your soul. But do we trust, do we, do we truly trust him that he knows what he's doing? I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm like, I feel you got this one wrong, Lord. Like you got all these right, but because it's, it's hurting more than what it's supposed to hurt. And I'm bitter about this, Lord. And I was praying for this. See, kingdom principle. Sometimes we want something so bad that we may feel it's the Lord. Sometimes we want something so bad 
Pastor, but I prayed. And I know that's the man for him. I know he doesn't love you, but, but I, let's take the Lord out of the equation for a moment. The Lord doesn't want him. You want him. Do we truly trust him with our satisfaction? And I, I, I can't be a hypocrite. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, you, you got this one wrong, man. I, I prayed for this, and I felt it in my spirit that you were going to deliver this for me and give this to me. The Lord looks at me and says, William, do you trust me? Do you trust that I know what I'm doing? I've been God the longer you've been William. I've been at this for a long time. This didn't take me by surprise. I knew the income, the outcome. I'm the Lord, and I know the income too. I'm the Lord. And as we close and pray today. As I typed up this message, I was, I was weeping because I know that many of you are wandering through the desert trying to find Moses' body because you need closure on something that you're not going to get closure for and that's tearing you apart. That's tearing you apart because you need answers. Sometimes it's from your spouse. That's a terrible one because you got to see them every day. One of the worst ones is when you want answers from the Lord of why this happened and the Lord is silent and you are demanding answers. The Lord says, do you trust me? No, it hurts. But do you trust me? Trust that I have what it takes to make you happy. Do you trust that if I took that away is because I know the plans I have for you? Trust me enough to know that I know what I'm doing. I can't sell you that as an easy buy because for none of us is. The song says, I want what I want and I want it now. The Lord is like, I know the plans I have for you. we're seeing today, but I can see tomorrow. I want every eye closed in this room. See, your breakthrough is on the other side of your yes. Are you willing to move on without the closure you thought you needed? Are you willing to move on without getting the answers you thought you needed? 
trust me to satisfy that answer my spirit Every eye is closed. Everyone in this room knows they're Moses. Everyone in this room knows the things or the thing they haven't been able to move on because you're not getting any answers. How long will you weep over the thing I rejected, the Lord told Samuel? Did it hurt? Yes, it hurt. Were you marked? Yes, you are marked. You struggle with it? Yes, you struggle with it. It was painful. Is it hard to get away? It's hard. It's just not that simple. But do you trust that he can satisfy your soul? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus.